fascinating. I find sleep such a deep and profound thing. You know, the more you understand, we understand as yogis the depth and breadth of consciousness and the way it is and the architecture of it, the more extraordinary it shows itself to be. And, you know, nothing is more profound than what sleep is, actually, in my view. And yet, you know, there it is, right there at the center of our lives. And we don't really understand. We know we need it. Scientifically, we've researched what happens to the brain. But how important it is, I think, has gone missed. Has got missed. You know, I've taught you to try and make this connection to this intelligence in your heart. I've taught you to try and learn to rest there as part of your meditation practice. I've pointed you towards this clear light of awareness that is pristine, luminous. And, you know, it's right at the pinnacle of all spiritual traditions, this spiritual light <laughs> that is there somewhere, you know, whatever it's made of, whatever kind of understanding might be sort of suggested, it appears very, very frequently in across all religions and spiritual teachings, this light of our, call it the light of our soul, the light of our Buddha nature, you know, it's there. But what isn't often explained is the fact that we might spend our entire life working to reach that place where we know this light. All our meditation, you know, to recognize the stillness, to recognize awareness, beautiful milestones. Rest in presence. But that's not the same as to come to land and enter into a state of absorption in that vast, pristine, endless, luminous ground. It utterly takes our breath away and totally shatters any idea that we could ever come to grief. And yet, you know, Every single night of your life, you spend hours in that state. <laughs> the only reason you're not completely blown away by it is because you're unconscious when it happens. You know, it's a power, the power that actually consciously coming to rest in that state has to um, shatter whatever vexation we might have at an egoic level. And elevate us to a completely uh, bigger picture view of life. It is missed when we're in deep sleep. But it still remains a fact that it is absolutely crucial to our well-being to touch that space every single day of our life. So our relationship to sleep is something we could have a look at. Because in essence, it's another doorway to the greatest of all spiritual awakenings. 
Not only that, but the process by which we fall asleep every night is the process by which we die at the end of our life. So, you know, we could practice it, you know, and learn to do it. You know, we all know how to fall asleep. And we get there. And we get to that place. But if you can do it consciously, amazing things can start to happen. So sleep is, yeah, it's a mysterious thing because it has these two extraordinary aspects to it. It has this state of deep rest, or what we call deep sleep, where the brain calms down tremendously, where the heart settles and rests within, awareness comes to rest within itself in the heart. The sense doors are shut down, the body's paralyzed. We are in a deep and peaceful state of rest. We're home. How can we live our lives so worried about everything when that happens to us every single day? <laughs> so I want you to see sleep as absolutely crucial, not just I need to get sleep, but it's a, a spiritual experience waiting to, be hap to happen. You know, when you wake up after a beautiful night's sleep, you feel totally refreshed, uplifted. When you have a dream that touches you, it has a capacity to touch you in a way that nothing in your life can touch you. You can, in a dream, fall in love with someone more deeply than you've ever fallen in love in your entire life. Someone you've never met who in a moment means so much to you. So, you know, amazing things happen to us in, in the night. Some of them are scary. Some of them are uplifting. But it means something. What does it mean? The architecture of sleep. In order to get to sleep, you have to basically lose the attention that you normally have at your sense doors and at your mind door, which watches what you're thinking. If we are obsessed with ourselves and us a warrior, we're going to find it difficult to cut off or switch off that attention because we are over-attentive. You know, as meditators, if we're not careful, we can become obsessed with our inner process and find out and find that we are actually going in the wrong direction as far as being able to sleep. If sleep is to drop blissfully into a state of ignorance. Once we've learned to do that well, then maybe we can practice waking up in the sleep state. We have to learn to get there. The key here is nodding off. You've ha it happens to you on a Sunday after lunch. Happens to you watching television sometimes and you're a little bit, can't stay with it. That beautiful state of not quite knowing where you are, you're almost going to sleep. If you let go completely at that moment, you'd be off. Learn to drop into a trance. A trance is what happens where we we don't really know where we are anymore because there's not enough attention at the sense doors but we're not completely unconscious and we're not in a state of meditation so practice dropping into a trance which means letting your mindfulness go yeah so what happens is our attention drops away from the sense doors from the mind door and passes drops into the heart base Two things are going on in your heart base. One, the clear light of awareness rests as the background, as the base ground or the baseline. 
That's our destination when we're completely asleep. That's the destination when we completely come to a state of rest in meditation. Same thing, except one time we're awake, the other time we're not. Same place. So that's going on in your heart base. And the other thing in your heart base is bawanga. Your unconscious is arising through the heart base. Your stock of accumulated charge around your memories. This vast field of everything you've experienced is sitting there in the background. So when we go to sleep, we drop through Bawanga into the clear light on the way into sleep and also the way into unconsciousness, which means that we have this brief dreamlike trance experience and then we're gone. Most times whilst dropping asleep, we don't even notice this sort of hypnagogic state. We drop through it and we're gone. The point is to learn to surrender into it. It's all about letting go your need for control. It's one of the reasons we sabotage our sleep. We stay awake. We don't even go to bed on time because we don't want to relinquish control. Bed, sleep is a place where we're out of control and we're a little bit afraid of it. So you've got to practice surrender to get to sleep. And you've got to be willing to surrender your grip of mindfulness. So that's how we go to sleep. Now, resting in the clear light of awareness for a period of time, we're in deep sleep. And then at some point, what happens? We start to dream. Where are the dreams coming from? This charge that we are holding in Bawanga, in our unconscious, our store consciousness, starts to bubble up. Goodness knows which, what's triggering it, where it's coming from. Maybe things in the day trigger unconscious memories to surface in the night. But the charge around those are the signatures that your mind then works into your dream state escape. So the root of your dream is coming from the karmic charges that are surfacing through your heart out of Bawanga. This thus makes dream work an extremely fertile ground for all yogis. What is Vipassana? Vipassana is the process by which we gradually unpackage our conditioned tendencies and let them go so that we become more unconditioned. What are you doing in dreaming? It's unpackaging karmic tendencies so that they don't burden you as a store in your unconscious. So our unconscious unpackages itself every single night and that's why we have these phased sessions of dreaming. We tend to dream more in the latter part of the night but the Charges that arise deep in the night, the first and second cycle of dreaming, often come from very deep parts of our unconscious that we don't really acknowledge. We don't necessarily gain access to that often in our meditation. Which means that if we've got some moody or broody or slightly disturbing charge in the heart base that we're always trying to keep a lid on, and part of our existential fear is worrying whether I'm going to keep a lid on the things I don't like in my unconscious. Then what will happen is they will surface when you are off guard in the night. It's nothing to be afraid of, my friends. That charge, no matter how disturbing it might be, when it arises in you while you sleep, is a charge that is being released. It's on its way out, not on its way in. If we can learn to pick up on that, 
if we wait in the night a bit startled, a bit shaken up, understand, wow, my heart's unpackaging. My unconscious is unpackaging. That's Bawanga. Whoa, that's something big and it's deep and I've been carrying that. Let's just sit and be with that for a while. If you can sit and let that charge disperse and be with it as it does, you're turning that into equanimity. That's Vipassana, my friends. You may have practiced 10, 20, 30 retreats and that didn't surface because it's too deep in your unconscious. But in the night, bingo. What will normally happen to one who is, is unpracticed is they will feel disturbed. It's something of a nightmare or whatever it is. And they will reject the experience, be fearful about it, add a new charge of fear or aversion to it, and it goes back. Okay, that's arisen. Some of it will have been released, but we've added more anxiety to it. If we can be brave enough to sit with the disturbing things that arise within us in the night, we have a very powerful tool in our hands. Some of you will find, because you're reasonably well organized in the day, and as you start to practice, if I'm honest, the first thing we learn when we're starting out as yogis is to keep a lid on everything so we feel more balanced. That lid that you've established means your unconscious sits there waiting for an opportunity that you don't give it anymore because you're nice and organized in your daily life. <laughs> so it comes up at night. It's very common that people, once they start to practice spiritually, do meditation, calm themselves down, keep themselves nice and coherent in the day, feel that they get more disturbed in the night because deeper stuff is arising from the unconscious that remains thus unprocessed. We'll try not to be alarmed by this. Sometimes the night can present you with something to work on that really takes you, drags you through the hedge backwards and puts you through it. But if you go through it and come through, even if you don't get back to sleep, you spend the rest of your night working with that deep experience. When the day breaks, you know, you really feel like you've done something. And you, although while you're going through it, you're not feeling that equanimous, as you come out the other side, you feel lightened by it. If you have the right attitude, of course, if you just get overwhelmed, oh, I'm having a nightmare, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I don't go back to sleep in case that happens again. Then, of course, you're going to have a very messy night and you're going to feel very disheveled the next day. It's, it's, it's deep work. The deepest work you'll do as a yogi is the work you do deep in the middle of the night. It's akin to what happens to you deep on retreat, you know, one or two months in when you really, really got down deep into your unconscious. It can throw curveballs at you. <laughs> you know, you don't know when you're going to get a slap in the face with a wet fish. You don't know when you're going to get knocked about a bit by your unconscious. But once you've got that spirit of willingness to be with what happens to you, it can't harm you. It's on its way out. You can get yourself into muddle because we don't understand it. But once we understand it, we know it can't harm you. And the more I can sit and be with that, the more I'm freeing myself as something that I'm carrying. So, you know, managing anxiety, the big breakthroughs on, being, on turning ourselves around from someone who's anxious and a worrier 
to someone who's light and doesn't worry and doesn't get anxious very much is when we know we backed out that stuff that unconsciously we know we're carrying inside in our unconscious. It's a warrior's path, isn't it? You know, you, you, we walk up to this, but you may already be getting this stuff coming up in the night that knocks you about a bit. So you can't avoid it, my friends. There it is. So at least with the right understanding, we might be able to have a slightly more pragmatic approach to us and see that it can be profoundly challenging but profoundly transformative, an extraordinary opportunity. I'm saying this because there isn't an antidote to nightmares and disturbances in the night. There's not, you know, unless you're going to take a tranquilizer that numbs you so you don't actually get a proper processing sleep. What you are unpackaging in the night is what you need to unpackage. So try to not reject it. You know, they're only perceived as nightmares for as long as we reject the process. We haven't got time here to look at the dreamscape, our own personal dream landscape in more detail. But what I can say here is if you start to develop a relationship with what you go through in the night, Instead of fretting about those periods when you are awake and can't get back to sleep, make it practice. Amazing work gets done in those times. Yeah. All since I first started all of this, always done my deepest meditations deep in the night. I always wake myself up in the when I wake after the second cycle of sleep, which is normally four hours in, that's the best time to practice Vipassana if you've got it in you. If you need more rest, then I'm not suggesting you do two hours of meditation in the middle of the night. But as we get more practiced and as we get more familiar with the terrain, it's fertile ground. Maybe half an hour, maybe 20 minutes of sitting deeply at rest with what's arising through you in the night can be very, very liberating. Find the courage. Encourage yourself. Be encouraged by the fact that even though really challenging things can happen to us while we're asleep, at the same time, on the same night, we're having the deepest spiritual experience that ever happens to everyone, anyone. <laughs> we're touching that pristine ground of luminosity. And there they are, right next to each other. It's extraordinary, and it's happening to us every single day. So make friends with sleep, make friends with the night time, whether you're asleep or not, you know, because spending just eight hours of our life unconscious waiting for the next day to begin is like losing a third of our life. We spend a third of our life asleep. It means something. So a lot can be gained from opening up to the possibilities that sleep or nighttime practice um, affords us.